You were supposed to elevate the podcast, <laughs> not destroy it. You know me. You were the chosen one. I hate you. <laughs> Welcome to the Kindred Spirit Podcast, a show all about the board game Spirit Island. Here we'll talk about analytics and strategies within the game, as well as a plethora of other topics that can be found within it. Here as usual is me, Ryan, with my partner in crime, John. Hey! But that's not all. Today is a special episode because we have a special guest here today. Laura! Hi! Who is here to join us in our discussion of mistakes that we've made in the past, what house rules we like to implement for our own games, and how to teach the game better. I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be good. We're dumb. So many mistakes. Oh boy, mistakes we've made in the past. We kind of have to roll down the curtain a little bit here, don't we? <laughs> but hey, I think at some level, everyone has done it. I'm sure so many people have gotten this 100% more on like their third or fourth game. How many pages are in the rule book? Enough. Too many. <laughs> it's like war and peace. Oh geez. <laughs> but That's a big pictures. rule book too. <laughs> That's a big rule book too though. Yeah, but pictures help mm-hmm. with that. Pictures do help. I actually was reading a review on BGG where the guy was like really critical of it. But he's like, yeah. I love the rule book. I'm like, yeah. that's a weird party thing to like. It's guy. very wide. And when I say it's a big rule book, I mean the literal size, not depth of pages or anything. Just like the width it may be the widest rule book I've ever seen. There's a lot it, on there. It's as big as the box. It is as big as the box, quite literally. So, I'm happy my wife's here to call out all the mistakes I've know, made. I know, I <laughs> know. It's hitting too close to She's, home. She remembers every single she one of them. Forgets. This is payback for calling me a quarterback. <laughs> oh, no, she listened. No, I'm, I'm, this is going to be so weird because it's like, oh, no, we've talked about Laura so many times. Now I have to quickly hide. Like, we may have said you were pregnant on the show. What? No. Guess what, Mom? <laughs> ah, she they don't listen, listen to this. Yeah, no, they will never <laughs> listen to this. Okay, boomers. <laughs> boomers are anyway happy to have you on this is kind of weird only because we've talked about you so many times but you're like an integral part of this whole spirit island craze because you guys are the people who i have played spirit island with the most and so it's like hey i get to have the other bit of the triangle here so to speak so i'm very very eager to hear your input and i just hope that you enjoy your time on the show so he said one of his favorable moments playing spirit island is when we invited him over for that three-player game on our yeah. anniversary. Nope, and that, that other is. one. <laughs> nope, wrong. Yes. And the other one, too. No, they were both fantastic. Wait, no, our anniversary was cool. We, we did things alone. We do love this game so much that on our actual anniversary day of our one year of being married, we were like, let's have Ryan over to play Spirit Island. That was, and it was I'm still honestly so grateful. such a great time. It was I'm a good still time. so grateful that you that guys fun. had me in there. I felt as if, like, am I allowed to be here? Are you sure you guys want me here? So. <laughs> I think Corona added to the lack yeah. of... We'd also just seen each other all weekend. We're like, oh. Yep. I think Corona added to that as well. <laughs> this is starting to sound familiar. <laughs> All right, so mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of the board game, I think it's pretty standard of an assumption that, you know, you're probably going to filch a thing here, you're going to filch a thing there. This is not a normal game. This is one that's very unique, that has a lot of interesting and brand new mechanics that I think most people don't experience normally. You know, some concepts that might go over your head. And if you're a new player, there's a lot that's being thrown at you. So it's okay if some things went over your head. Are you just I'm just here. For the I'm here major power to explain. Blunder. Are we going to talk about that one? Major, I'm still salty. Major power blunder. 
I was like, why we is this focus, such a weird, stupid mechanic? We I don't can understand focus it. on my faults first, if you like. Let's and then do we it. Because that was a big mistake. Don't judge me for the fault of my father. Never mind that I habitually cheat by accident by not reading something correctly and realizing it three turns later and not telling the boys. I think when you, when you continually say that it's an accident that you're cheating, it becomes less of an accident that you're straight up cheating. But you caught it. A turn ago, it happened two turns ago. Just let sleeping dogs. I let like things slide because so. I'm really bad at reading. We didn't know that cards cost money. <laughs> What's this thing about reading? Hey, no, I mean, I was playing with a friend who card play completely went in the ear and went out the other. <laughs> and I remember it was like turn four. And he was like, yeah, board's looking pretty good. And he was playing as River. I'm like, there's no way River can clear a board on turn four. And so I know that he did something <laughs> wrong, but I look at him, and in a positive way, I'm like, wow, that's really good, dude. How'd you manage? Yeah, I played this card and this card and this card. I'm like, that's pretty good with two card play. <laughs> Uh, he was playing downpour, where you can repeat powers, fool. Ryan, you're so nice with people making mistakes. I'd be like, you're a dum-dum. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, right so there. I pray for that, my life. <laughs> I remember that one time, I was like, when well, you were turn two, you were just like, yeah, I got this much boost damage, and I was able to kill the city. I'm like, how in the world did you kill a city turn two? That's really impressive. Well, I have this card that boosts its damage, and I'm like... So that's reaching grasp. That does range. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, same thing. <laughs> same thing, whatever. So we're just going to go around and talk about things that we, I don't know, I think it could be funny or fun to compare. I'll what did start. You, what did you get wrong versus... I'll start with the big one. I messed up a lot. I thought yeah. we were going to start with Ryan's No, one. I like saving him for the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Save him. Thanks. Save the best Thanks, for last. Buddy. <laughs> um, I almost never, in the first, like, five times playing, use Sacred Sun. Did you really? Are you for real? Yeah, for Dude, <laughs> well, one year of marriage was great. Is nothing sacred to you? Oh no. Guys, I really thought this would be a good idea. This was your idea, Ryan. I remember I'd be Don't play- you pin this on me. I would be playing Shadows and be like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. Hate to burst your bubble. And with sucks. lightning. I'd be like, lightning's incredible. I can spread out across the whole map. I think you brought up, you're like, did you do that I on a secret site? I think I remember you asking me what that symbol meant. <laughs> How come this symbol looks a lot looks, bigger than the other looks one? Looks like two. You Is mean that, like- that symbol that I've explained like five games ago and what's I've referenced the, repeatedly? What's the oil yeah. drum? I forget. What's the oil drum? Oh, a sacred site. Cool. Cool. What's that? <laughs> Isn't that like a presence? Well, yeah, but it's when you have at least two. Oh. So anyway, I really like <laughs> I really like River now, everyone. Yeah. Uh, can we see why it's my favorite one? I think that was a big blunder well, for yeah, me. Yeah, there's so I many innate, so many power cards that stem from Sacred Sight. Never cared once. Jeez. I was just like, I'm just going to use it. Okay, this was like first week of playing. First, Yeah, like, no, yeah. it's fine. Even in the rules, they say, oopsie, you just discovered that you were doing something wrong. That's fine. Just try to remember for the future and move on. It's too hard to go back mm-hmm. and retroactively think how a turn would have gone. Just learn from it and move forward. Which I love that mentality, that approach. Mm. It makes it seem less guilty. Yeah. You know, you don't feel as guilty when you see someone whose reaction to something that you made a mistake of is done like that. You can just be like, oh, okay, they're cool with that. I'll get better. And it's more towards you and personal responsibility as opposed to you did something wrong. Punished, you know, so. I feel like that's part of what makes Spirit Island so good for people who are new to this type of game. Yep. Um, if you're moving from like playing Sorry and Monopoly into this world, mm-hmm. the rules aren't so strict and stringent and well, that's it. You've destroyed the whole thing. 
if you mess up your sacred sites or something. Eric's level-headed forgiveness vibe has oozed into this game, and I feel so mm. much more chill because it's all right. You can just learn from that and move on. You it's know what I'm, I mean? Yeah. Like, it's why I'm growing a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> but John, not on your face. <laughs> <laughs> It's a front ponytail. <laughs> I didn't know you had a Fu Manchu. <laughs> anyway, so one embarrassing mistake that I made. I, okay, in my defense, well, I'll just explain. I'll let you guys be the judge. So for the longest time, I did not know that the explore card was face down. At no point in the rule book does it verbatim say you set up the Explorer deck face down. It just says you set up the Invader deck and, oh, you can go and see the the graphic on the next page. Well, when I was first reading it, I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I don't need a picture. I can just read this and I'm fine. Mm. Furthermore, I wasn't, for whatever reason, with all the information coming at me, I didn't see the whole, oh, you flip the card face up and you just reveal it and go on to the next. I just, oh, when you reveal it, it's just you look at what it is. I thought that it was flipped up the turn prior when you move the cards. So all this time, I was looking at the Ravage, the Build, and the Explorer, having perfect knowledge of where they were exploring. Furthermore, in my defense, that was back in 2017 when it was all new, and there can be a lot sometimes when you read a rule book and it's your first time, maybe if you read it again and read it again. I wanted more clarification on how the powers were fast or how they were slow. So that's the kind of thing that I was looking up clarifications. I figured as if I had it. And then the biggest problem was when I saw other people review the game on YouTube or videos on tutorials on how to play it. Every single video I saw had it where the explore card is face up. And yes, I know that I should look at the rule book and base the rules off of that, not someone's video. But when someone makes a video tutorial on a game, I just assumed that they were correct. And the guy whose video I saw, who I really liked, I had saved and rewatched that one over and over and over again. And he had described it where it's face up. So all this time, the explore card was face up. So I had more awareness with where the explore was. So this definitely made some characters and will make some characters a lot better. This is going to make Lure of Deep Wilderness a lot better. This is going to make Keeper of the Forbidden Wilds a lot better because those are characters that need to prepare for various things. Lure needs to set up tokens to act before he can go and do damage the wilds there. Tokens. Oh, Keeper, I don't know the new spirits very well. Well, you Keeper, know Keeper. Yeah, Keeper can spit Wilds tokens. Well, you and, know Keeper. Yep, Love and Keeper. anyone who does isolation really likes to know where they're going to go. Well, the thing was is for three years, you know, once I had an understanding of the game, it was my pride that thought, oh, I'm good. I don't need to look at the rule book i got it down and then steam came out and then steam came out so oh yeah i'm embarrassed Remember, we to admit steam? you because you asked me the same thing i was supposed to be working i played spirit island <laughs> <laughs> i love corona so i was embarrassed i was like hey do you notice that on the steam version of the game the explorer is face down then it flips and explores wait is that like, the real way you're supposed to play it because we have real... still all of our 32 million plays have never played it that way so anyway. we're getting <laughs> Are we changing the way we play? So there's a reason why the topic of house rules is immediately after mistakes we've made in the past. So, <laughs> so I looked at those. We discredited this whole podcast. I know. <laughs> but don't worry. There was another thing that we did all this time that we also had a mistake on that made it much harder. And I feel as if it made it even. So two things that made it harder, in fact. So I think it made it more than even. Anyway, but it wasn't until the Steam version where I saw the Explore done correctly. And I was like... Uh, what? Because I thought that I knew how this worked. 
And sure, shame on me for relying on that video too much, I suppose. But like I said, when you watch the video, you assume that the other guy knows what he's talking about, right? And so I talked to you. I was like, did you notice on the Steam version? Laura had the same question. Yeah. I was a complaint, actually. <laughs> about the Steam version. And I was like, like I, I want to know. I was like, I do not like this. I like the other way better. <laughs> so let's defend it. I think how the game is set up, you are able to plan ahead with the conveyor mm -hmm. belt strategy of seeing what is going to happen next. Right. As a mythical being of elemental energy as a spirit, you have some kind of form of omniscience. No, it's not pure omniscience, but you have a little bit. You know where they're going to go, kind of. And it fit the lore for me, and it fit the thematic emphasis of the game that you do know where people are going to go. This isn't a random game. If I wanted that, I'd play Pandemic. So that's why in this game, it feels weird for me that events add such randomness to me. Because And we talked about that a few episodes ago. And this just felt more in line to the foundational understanding that I had with the game that you do know where they're going to explore. Because even if you do know where they're going to go, there's a difference between knowing where they're going to go and being able to do something about it. Mm. So sure, they're going to go and explore Sans this turn. Guess what? 9.999999 times out of 10. When I see the explore, there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it, except when I'm maybe keeper and I spit a token that way. So I feel as if the game hasn't changed too much difficulty-wise with, with it being revealed in the way that we've played it. See, I think thematically it makes a ton more sense that it's revealed as they're doing the explore <gasps> because they aren't omniscient spirits. They can no, see where the little white people went, but they don't know. You know the white people, I feel like, are sitting there kind of thinking, all right, where are we going to go next? And they're like, all right, let's just go explore that spot. And then, boom, they pop up. So I think it makes more sense. Who no, invited her? <laughs> hey, I don't want to play it that way. I like easy. No, no. But the, the semi I think it, it makes more thematic sense that they just To me, it, it. Makes it makes sense for both. The semi-niscience you have. Because since you're not, om because like you're not omniscient, that's why you can see three ahead, not six ahead. Which is the exact same rationale why you can see two ahead, not four ahead. So where the line is drawn, two versus three, three versus four. It does make Fractured Time better because he can look at the yep. invader deck. But I was about to say that. They should have a spirit who's able to like look at the explorer and be like, hey guys, they're going to go yep. here. And that's, that's Fractured that's Days. Yeah. Yep. 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 Thematically fractured makes days. more sense. And can look yep. at the invader. Maybe we should change the way we're playing. Is this an well. intervention? <laughs> <laughs> We're working a few things out, guys. Come back <laughs> next season when we talk about the real game. No, <laughs> so one thing, that, one thing that we did, though, was Source of Invaders. This guy that I watched also doomed me in another way. A Source of Invaders was literally any invader piece, including explorers. Yeah. That's not the case. Oops. A Source of Invaders is the, the coast, the ocean, or a building. Well, we didn't play that way. We played that one explorer is a source of invaders. So whenever we played, yes, we had the explore card face up, but every single invader, including explorers, were a source of invaders. So explorers were causing other buildings to be built or explored. An explorer could trigger another explorer. Which made it harder. Mm -hmm. Which made it a lot harder, which means that when I saw the true actual rules, I was like, you know what? I'm okay with this. Because we have one thing that was making it easier, and we had two things making it harder. And what I just described was one of the ways that made it harder. The other thing that made it harder was, as you can see now, I watched this video repeat on repeat way too many times. And I've learned my lesson to fact check with more than one YouTube reviewer. But hey, like I said, I'm sure you all had something wrong too. So let us know in the comments what yours was. You're not perfect. You know it. So Let's other talk one. about this other way. So the other one is power cards. The guy whose video I saw said that whenever you gain a minor power, you just add it to your hand. Cool. No limit on minor powers. Done. 
That's easy. That's not what we had a problem with. It was the major powers. This guy said that your character can only have four major powers, and since you have your starting hand of four, all of your original four are major powers. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. So the guy said, whenever you gain a new major power, you must forget another. And so this guy was talking about you must forget another major. Also, there was this implication that you must forget one of your starting ones. Because those are the only major powers you have at the time. And I remember at that time thinking at the time this is a weird i don't understand why these are the four right. cards that make me unique why do i have to get rid of them right what's i was really... still trying to figure out sacred sites so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was not on that level we're on two different planes of that yeah. thing. what it actually <laughs> is <laughs> is when you gain a new major power card yes you have to forget a card but it doesn't have to be another major nor does it have to be one of your starters it could be a minor and it can also be the new power you just acquired so if you draw four from a major power deck and you're like, okay, I don't like this first one. I don't like the second one, the third. and Wow, I don't like any of these. These are crap. I would rather have my current hand. You can just set those four down and take none of them. Because technically how it works is you pick one and then you discard one. So the one that you just picked is your new one. Just discard your new one. I didn't know that. So Thanks, think, Steam version. So what I would always do is I was looking at my hand and I tried to find for myself my least favorite starting card. Which for Shadows was easy because it's any of them. <laughs> I mean, for most well, true. Crops Wither and Fate is good. It's for Garbage. most of them, there's one that you're like, this is kind of stupid. Like that Bringer of Dreams uh-huh. and Nightmares one where we're always like, I don't know how you play this. It's dumb. Ignore it. So yes. is that the one where you gain a minor? Like, no, gain a, a major? I can't even figure it out in Steam. So there are a few cards that maybe aren't the best in your starting hand, but at least they typically give you the elements you need. True. So now that I have this correct understanding of it, I haven't gotten rid of any of the cards from my starting hand, like, ever. For lightning, I, I usually spam. get rid of Raging Storm, because it's costs really? too much, yeah. Yeah, three energy, that's terrible But energy. it usually happens, like, further on in the game when you've got lots of other good cards, and you're yeah. like, I'm yeah. not really using this one, bye. Yep. Harbinger's of Lightning is the one I usually get rid of for Did you figure that out by playing Steam? Which one of you figured that out? I think we had a conversation through texting. Yeah, I forgot. I I questioned it because I was like, hey, I was able to get rid of a minor. And I think I looked up... That was in Steam, right? And I think I looked up in the rulebook, but I don't remember the rulebook saying it with such strict clarification that made it super clear. And then it was, well, the Steam version, you know, was made, you know, by the company. So the way they're doing it is probably more accurate yeah. than the way I'm doing it. Computer <laughs> so, rules. Yeah, and kind of the same with Sentinels of the Multiverse. Once you play the Steam game a few times, you really get an understanding of how the game works. <laughs> So those were the mistakes that I made. The explorer card face down, the explorers actually not being a source of invaders, and the whole gaining major powers. Those were the ones that I had. Everything else I was doing just fine. I just thought they were like reproducing other explorers. I thought this was like a little man and a lady and starting a town and sprouting little (laughs) kidlet explorers with little flags. What a wonderful hemaphrodite. They just come off in their tent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So what other... Time what for other... Laura's mistake. I mean, I already talked about my minor things is I don't pay attention very well. So then I'd be like, I'm going to do these things. And then, oh, shoot, that only had range of zero or whatever. I'm really bad with range yeah. zero. Mm, and then you're yep. like, Ooh, well. But usually I'll notice it and then I'm like, well, I won't play it that way for the rest of the game. Or the recognition of a certain symbol. And like, what does that mean again? Oh, that means this kind of token. I have no idea what that token does. Is this the one that prevents this? No, that's this token. Oh, What Ryan's describing was not my problem, but sure. I can read. (laughs) 
I, it's funny. I seem to remember someone saying, give me the back of the book. I have no idea what these are. <laughs> oh, that was one time. <laughs> we just got branch and claw. It was fresh. And that no, per- it was a little tricky at first. And that person had a ponytail. <laughs> it, it was, was on his you. face. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> It's fine. It's, it's, no, I mean, that was, I guess, like, no, well, I was trying claw, to figure out the news. Well, that was, symbol. like, the first time we've, we've all done made branching mistakes. claws, yeah. too. So. We've all made mistakes. Anyway, I'm curious to hear what you guys done. It's different for everyone, I think. Like I said, I was playing with one guy who just, the whole card play thing went, whoop. Just, and he's like, you know, I heard you. I remember that. I just completely didn't do it. <laughs> we did play with a friend who thought when it was reclaimed cards, like you played <gasps> that, that he thought you reclaimed one, one? card. Aww. So the poor guy kept reclaiming one card. Aww. But that was kind of funny. <laughs> I can just hear him it was now. His first game. He was very weak. <laughs> I can hear him now. So which one do you think I should get back, guys? Because I can do this one, I can do this one. <laughs> I think that's how we figured it out. He was oh, like, really? guys, which one should I reclaim? And I'm like, well, all of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like to if I can, but which one? <laughs> no. No, no. No, no, I mean... Wait, do you really think you bring one back? And I explained him those rules, so <laughs> might be on mine. But that again, when you're first learning the game, there's it's just a lot. so it's many a lot. This is not this is mechanics. not an easy game. Yeah. It's worth putting the time in, but oh, it can definitely. be the learning curve can be steep for some. So moving on to house rules. Well, one of the house rules we like to have is to have the explore card <laughs> face up. How about that? Maybe because we were habitually conditioned to always having it up and we preferred that. We're gonna get roasted in the comments. <laughs> well, now Maybe. I want to play with it down just because okay. you guys like it up. But no, like honestly, that does sound like more Cut thematically real. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I really do like playing it that way. Guys, if you haven't played with the Explore card face-up, it didn't even feel as if it was too easy. It really felt as if the game was still normal and fine. I didn't feel as if we were doing something out of place. It didn't feel weird. It didn't feel like we were doing something wrong. It really felt normal. I didn't even know it was wrong. I thought that was the standard because of how well it fit. Well, I can see where they're ravaging. I can see where they're building. Why can't I see where they're exploring? It just made sense to me, but... Whatever, that's fine. We move on. If you want randomness, so. play with the event deck. Yeah, if we wanted randomness, we play with the event deck. True. Anyway, what are your thoughts on that? I know John's. What the event deck? Yeah, I'm just curious. Sometimes I really like it. Sometimes I want to burn them all. So, so you're just like us. Okay. Kind of well, goes back and forth. A week ago, we just played with the event deck. I didn't mind the event deck. That well, time, it made though. us blight the island <laughs> for doing nothing but wrong. But we had the best blighted island card. So <laughs> we Which got you game. Lesser spirits. Aid from lesser spirits. Yeah, that's one that of the two. Happy. We that's were very fortunate. We were. Sometimes so. I like that randomness of, oh, yay, the things do stuff. But remember when you were playing Beast and your whole entire population got decimated. That happened to me, but it was like late game. So I'm like, yeah. I've already done all my things. I'm sure. just waiting for Keeper to finish this game. You know, I'm really curious to see what new events and what new Blight cards we're getting. I wonder mm-hmm. if we're getting more than just two good ones. Because there's Aid from Lesser Spirits and there's Back Against the Wall. Those are the only two good ones. Sure, there are a few just pure bad ones, but there are a lot of ones that do a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. So it's like, okay, that's fine. Some of them are like, you lose a presence every single turn. That's it. Like, what? What? Or you just lose three. How the heck can you win? I'd rather have that one than lose one every turn. I think if they had more good blight cards in there, then you might be less afraid of blighting the island. More like, "Eh, it's a gamble. Right. Mm. I mean, that's just crushing. The ones where it's just like you you lose one. Oh, you have a choice. You either forget a power card or you lose a presence every turn. I actually don't mind that one as much compared to the one the other. Yeah, Mm. the one where you just lose presence every turn is ridiculous. Now, it would be a lot better if you could heal the island from blighted to healthy. 
I wonder if a spirit will be able to do that. That's something I would like. I have done beginner games where we can do that. Okay. Which is we can heal enough blight where if you heal all the blight from the land, it flips back to its original side. I like that. That was that was a beginner friendly training wheels rule I had instated for this one game because I was playing with two guys who had never played before, and one of them was playing with wildfire. He said, "I really want to play this guy." I'm like, "Okay." (laughs) And I mean, it's wildfire. It's a guy's first game. I want him to like the game, and if he likes it, then we can make the game harder from there. I don't. I don't want to be so inviting, and then the gameplay is not. <laughs> you get into it, you're like, wait, I'm doing what now? He's a risky boy. Hey, play Wildfire without a blight card, and his enjoyment factor spikes. True. Seriously. That said, I want to get better with a wildfire. I want to test him on higher difficulties. Because I'll the thing, play stone. Yeah, there you go. Well, the thing is, is killing people quick might be a really nice boon in the fact that there's not as many bad guys showing up because there's a city that's already dead on turn two or three. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But then again, you are issuing your own demise a bit quicker, so you're just a little bit risky. Mm-hmm. you know. But he risks it for everyone. But we'll see. That can be another topic. So, here is one that I think a lot of people could benefit from, and that is how to make Spirit Island more understandable. How to teach the game better. Make beginners understand all of its things easier. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on this are because you've had to teach it now a few times because I'm the one who taught you guys and I Mm -hmm. made mistakes and my mistakes helped you guys also make wrong choices because since I had a faulty understanding of something but I taught that to you, now you have a faulty understanding but it's not your fault that you have the faulty understanding. It's actually my fault because I'm the one who told it to you. So even though you might have... blame a lot of problems in our marriage on you. That's true. (laughs) Yep. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Why isn't the garbage taken out? Well, Ryan's not here. (laughs) He didn't teach me how to do that. Ocean isn't here to gobble up your filth. (laughs) S-tier ocean. (laughs) So when I teach a board game, I have three questions that I answer right off the bat. And that is what, why, how? What is the game? Why am I doing this? How can I get it done? And that is exactly what I did for A, teaching you guys this board game, and B, how I even started this podcast. I started with what is it, why am I doing it, and how are we going to continue? That formula has done me well, and I think it's really good as an approach for someone to get just enough out of the box, big scope scale, and then let's go into the specifics in a methodical way that's understandable that builds on everything I just told him or her or whoever you're teaching. So what is Spirit Island? It is a cooperative game for one to four players set on a fictional island somewhere in the Pacific in the 1700s. And the European powers are in their expansionistic empirical times. And they are searching for new lands to explore. And for whatever reason, the explorers of these European nations have found Spirit Island. And they are enticed. They're like, wow, this place is cool. So they go and send people back and say, hey guys, we found a place. Let's colonize it. Cool. Then everyone comes back and and Spirit Island is now starting to get visited by European peeps. And now there are new people coming onto the island. And on this island, there are a native nation of people, fictional nation of people who live there. And they're called the Dahan. I've heard that pronounced like a billion ways. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Dahan. Dahan. Da- Dahan or da- something. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like a super Ew. nasally one. The Dean. Yeah, oh. I've heard of like... The Don. Da- da- Don. Dohan or something. Like the soap you have on a duck the who huts. just got... The Huts. The Huts. I've heard mushroom just people. Just Huts. I've really? Heard, I've heard mushroom people. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Little, little toadstools. So I've heard... 
Anyway, stool. so these these European toadstool? invaders, these the Europe stool would be a good word for any descriptor. <laughs> you know, it, I spent stool. way. We bring I, on Laura. <laughs> she brings on the poop joke. Uh, no, <laughs> you were supposed to elevate the podcast, not destroy it. You know me. You were the chosen one. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our first Star Wars reference. Right on. Revenge of the Sith. John, you just quoted a prequel movie. Is prequel better than the sequels? Yep. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so Return these the European, these European, these European, these European <laughs> are now coming and meeting this native nation called the Dahan for the first time. The Dahan, they once a long time ago moved to the island, and so when they see these new people, these new humans coming to the island, they're kind of conflicted. Some of them say, no, we don't want new people here. Some of them are like, well, I don't know. We kind of were like that once. Maybe we should help them. And so what's interesting, what I always tell players, new people, is you don't play as the colonizing people, nor do you play as the people who are already there. You play as the spirits these guys worship, and you have no such reservations about the invaders. You're like, get off my land! (laughs) And that's when really the first hook of the game shows up. You're not the one who's colonizing the land. That is what most games you would be doing. You are the people coming in, establishing buildings, settlers of Catan, you're coming in, you're building roads, building towns, building cities, all this stuff. You're not them. You're not even the resistance of the original natives here. You're the spirits that they worship. And the more that they worship you, the more presence you have, the stronger you get. What a unique premise. What a unique, whoa, that's cool. Already the new player has this idea in his mind that this is something that is really different, that you are big, that you are more than just, oh, I'm playing as a character. No, you are a spirit. You are bound to one of the elements. You are really powerful. You can make the land shake. You can cause tsunamis. You can do these cool things. Whoa, that's crazy. And Ryan so, didn't let us choose our spirits our first game because we thought we were dumb. No, oh, actually, I, I 100 Come on. <laughs> he gave us the low complexity spirits. What? <laughs> I support choosing spirits for people the first time they play because there are so many. And then you end up with somebody who's playing Bringer of Dreams and Nightmare on their first play and being like, what in the heck is happening here? Yeah, your poor brother. Like, yeah. if, if people are really drawn to one, you know, let them play whatever they sure. want. But I appreciate when it's like, you know what? I kind of know you and maybe mm-hmm. some of the way that you like to play. Here's River. Here's just maybe one of the low complexity right. spirits to get your first attempt at this game. We sure. were playing this with a couple and you gave the wife River because you mm-hmm. thought that it would benefit her or she would like cling to it better. Actually, I think you were the one who suggested that because I thought lightning for her. I hate lightning for beginning players, sorry. What? Low complexity. I don't know. I don't play lightning very much. <laughs> lightning is considered the easiest guy no, in the game. No, I don't like that they never comprehend slow powers. As My dad played powers. lightning for his first turn and he got it pretty quick. But you're right. River worked really, Your really well Your father's a mechanical her. engineer. I would hope he gets it right. My daddy's a renaissance man. <laughs> Um, I'm just here recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that Ryan took the time to think through which spirit. Well, would be I know best you guys, and I feel as if I could accurately better predict and allocate which guy is going to give you a smooth experience as an entry point in the game. Where you want to go from there, all you. But just something... exactly because it's a lot to right. deal with. So if you're also trying to figure right, out, and then like, there's some of the, some there's, of the weird mechanics. You're like, there's the mechanics of the game that are very different. So anyway, after I describe the what that it's an island, people are coming on the island and you're trying to defend it boot them off why well i guess i kind of already said the why the why is this is your island you want the nature to be undisturbed you are willing blighted you are willing to coexist with humans so long as the humans show a willingness to exist with you and respect your territories 
find ways that don't offend you, cultivate their own villages and crops in ways that aren't offensive to the land. But you see, Europe doesn't do that. They make big, sprawling, expansionistic farms and stuff, and they are just terraforming your land, and you hate it, and you need them gone. Why are you reacting? Because they are disturbing the balance. You see, with the Dahan, the natives, you've reached a balance of living. But these invaders, they're not balancing. Nor are the invaders completely honorable in their intentions, because they are going and they're attacking Dahan, even though the Dahan are kind of favorably minded towards them. So it's almost like real life. Wait, uh, what? Uh, uh, Why are all the invaders what? white? I, I mean, uh, uh, they're plastic. So, <laughs> that's usually what I start off with. The white guys are bad, and you're playing God. Notice how everything that our is our conservative ba- friends love this. Guy. <laughs> so ever notice how all the bad guys are square and white, and everyone who's a good guy is circular and colorful, like yeah. <laughs> colored. I'm and not red. sure I'd call khaki a color, but it's colored. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, um, so the why. The why, the invaders are coming in, they're damaging the balance, and you need them off. So then how? How do you win? Well, this is where you explain to new players the win conditions and the loss conditions. This is a game that has multiple win conditions and has multiple loss conditions. Right there, that will intrigue many players, I think. A lot of games have one or two lose conditions, but only ever one win condition. You can win from A, terror, or B, fear. If you go and kill literally every single person on the board... You win. You win. That is a terror victory. You have killed enough people that they're out of there. A fear victory is if you get all nine fear cards. You completely exhaust the fear deck. Yes, I know with various difficulty things, you can increase how many cards are in that fear deck. But completely exhausting the fear deck, you didn't kill enough people. You just were so scary that it was enough for them to be frightened to leave. That's what I like about the Steam version. In Victory, they have this little blurb of like, you have terrified the invaders. They have yeah. retreated to the shores. It's like and a pat like, on the back. Set sail. Yeah, it's a nice little yeah. like ending conclusion it's a good send blurb. Off. Yeah. Yep. You like- avoided a bloody massacre. Good job. Woo-hoo. I don't think it's ever said that. <laughs> Not yet, but you know, it's still on early access. So. <laughs> it is. Sir. Bring us like... multiplayer. Sorry. Where did that come from? <laughs> anyway, so those are the victory conditions. That's how you win. From there, I usually go on to describe an aspect of the game that some new players don't quite understand right off the bat. And so to help them, I clarify the following point right at the beginning. That point being that there are three factions in this game. There are invaders who are 100% bad. There are spirits who are 100% good. And then there are Dahan who are somewhere caught in the middle. You are not the Dahan. You can influence them, you can buff them, you can use them, but they have their own thing that you and them need to get in concert with as far as your actions in order to work together and fight off the invaders. So you are not the Dahan, but they are a very useful tool if you choose to use them. Yeah. But mm-hmm. some people, you know, some spirits don't really care about them. And that makes really interesting gameplay with spirits who do care about them. And that's something that's very unique, I think, with new players. Because they're thinking, okay, so the invaders, the guys coming onto the board are the bad guys. Usually in games, that's who you would play as. But we don't play as them. We need to fend them off. And furthermore, we don't even play as the Dahan either. So these are our little dudes. We play as these guys. Close. Those guys are friendly, but we don't play as them. Those are the Dahan. They have their own Yeah, thing. there's going to be a lot of questions. Yep. From so there players. are mm-hmm. three factions in this game, Bef- not just two. I think before we get into like common questions, because uh-huh. obviously me and my wife play this game a lot, 
more often than not, because of my failures in teaching, Laura ends up teaching. Okay. So I was wondering, like, after hearing how he did his, like, top three, did you, what do you see, how do you teach it, Laura? Yeah. My goal is usually to get them playing ASAP. Mm-hmm. I'm the sort of person who skips all the cutscenes in video games. I just want to blow things up. I don't care why. Mm. Of the Yikes, t- never play Last of Us. Yeah. <laughs> Exclusively the- Ratchet and Clank. But yeah. hey. I'm always like, I don't care, whatever, whatever. Now I'm here, cool. I get to use my grappling hook, awesome, let's go. We are the exact opposite. I love storylines. You yeah. do, you got mad about a storyline for a game you don't even play. Stop. It's really cute. <laughs> Which one? I'm curious. Last of Us 2. Don't, <gasps> don't tell me, don't okay, tell sorry, me about sorry, it. Because no, I'm going through the first one. Anyway, no. okay. so, but yes, this dynamic you bring up is the constant debate between two approaches to teaching a game. Option A... You just learn the game by doing it. Get in there, I'll learn as I go. Versus, I'm going to tell you everything before the game starts so that from the game start, you can make efficient choices because you know how it all works. But when we learned it that it's, way, I wanted to quit before we it's started better, You it's struggle better with that. Oh, I for, struggle so hard. It's better for different people. Each one has its pros. Each one has its cons. Mm-hmm. So, I was just clarifying oh, that no, that yeah. approach yeah. that you're doing is the former where mine is the latter. You don't just Continue. Like, throw them to the wolves. Oh, yeah. no. Continue. Like, I, but my goal is, what is like the basic thing that they need to know? Because going into it, you're like, I know so so much about this game. Well, not me personally, because I know less than either of you, no, but you know the lot. teacher knows nah, so much and like has so much experience with all the different mechanics, all the different everybody, but you really have to think this is a new person playing this game and they're going to retain like 25% of what you're telling them if you tell them too much. The more you tell them, kind of like the less they're going to really remember. So I try and kind of really boil it down to like, what's the basics you need to know in order to get started? And then let's ask questions and point things out as we go. Like if you show me a card and you're like here's five different strategies i want to murder you by the time i've heard one like just let me play the game and ask questions and find things out so we kind of go more kind of like on ryan's track but just maybe shortened version there are a few variable factors included here one is significantly easier for co-op games one of them is absolutely unacceptable for pvp games Learn as you go is unacceptable for PvP. Because you have an advantage. Because you have an advantage. You will wipe out a guy with an ultimate. He's like, you can do that? Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't tell you. I've literally (laughs) played games with With, people like that. And that is is really low. That is why on PvP games, (laughs) games, it is really... Still bitter about that side game. Very important that everyone knows what they can do. Co-ops is so much easier to explain as you go. Hey, can I see your cards? No, this is a PvP game. Well, right. I have a question on my card. Well, I can't look at it for you, but it's it's a well. I, uh, hmm. It's so true, and that's where in, in this we have the luxury of being like we're gonna work on this together. Yep. I'm gonna explain why I'm doing what I'm doing, or maybe you're gonna like I'm gonna ask you what are you planning on doing here? Ugh, you can't because see this. Remember, this is range, yep. and you're range yep. zero. It's one of the reasons why co-ops are so much more enjoyable for me because it bridges the gap between noob and pro a lot better because the pro can come alongside the guy. See, I can look at your hands because we're on a team. Okay, you're going to want to do this one. You're going to want to do this one. Cool. Versus PvP where it's like, all right, play a card. Oh, you can't do that one. Oh, sorry. He puts it back in his hand. Now I know what he has. Now I'm already figuring out the way to rock, paper, scissors, the thing I know he was about to do. Even if you're trying not to. Right. (laughs) Which brings up an interesting point that I think you wrote down, John, is when you're then playing it with that new person, because you're Mm -hmm. the experienced person, that's where you can really easily quarterback, which is a thing that, as John pointed out, I do like to do. Mm. I range, I have like two modes. I'm either bored and reading a book while we're playing, or I'm trying to meddle in everybody else's affairs. Yep. But (laughs) I like slow methodical games. 
And yeah, we did play Euchre one time and you wrote, ah. what, what kind of book you were reading? It was a Russian novel and he was talking about all of the city streets that he was walking down and their windows and stuff. And really, then his brother more... made my sister cry. It was yeah, a great night. Probably that was wow. more interesting than the card game. <laughs> street lights. Anyway. I'm learning a lot today. Anyway, no, my... No, but like when you're a new person... You still have to give them the autonomy to make their own plays, and you yep. can give them advice. Yep. But it's so easy to try and like play for them because you're like, oh, but if we do this and this and this, it's a better move. Yep. In our one of our earliest episodes, we described how, in our honest opinion, Spirit Island, the way it's foundationally structured, is one that is anti-alpha gaming because mm. it's so hard to remember what your own guy can do and how much you have on your plate that it's very rare that you're going to look at someone else's. No, you want to play that card. You want to do this. You want to do this. You don't know what that guy has on his plate. You're not even on his board, you know. Even um, if you know the starting cards of a spirit, you don't know right. what they picked up or sure. remember their minor powers and majors and all that stuff. Right. Agreed. But this is where I so, think you give that one time where you really actively, you're like, I want my friend to do a good job and yeah. I want to make sure that she's not cheating on this. So, sure. so that's like the one time when you're like really kind of yep. playing with them. In Agreed. Spirit Island's sure you know. case, with the whole teaching the game in its entirety, pretty much before playing as opposed to learning as you go, there is such a wealth of thematic and lore knowledge that's lost if you just completely go in. Sure, that is an assumption on my part where someone maybe once a game is over, they can look at the back of their dude. Oh, oh, this guy, he goes with the Dahan. That's why he's flickering like flame. Oh, okay. Some people just absolutely do not care about lore in the slightest. And if I know that the person I am teaching is one of these kind of people, I will skip the lore entirely and do game mechanics only. Besides, lore is at it's most enjoyable to someone when they want to explore it for themselves on their own time, not when it's shoved down their throat when they just don't care. Yeah, definitely read the, the synopsis. The other, oh, no, the like other we, approach we is... The, right, and the little so, talk, but it's just like kind of quick because... Sure, right. I'm just saying this incentivizes me to do the latter of those two strategies instead of the former. You know what I like to do? I like huh. to have everyone read their power card before they use it. I think that's kind of cool. Ooh, keeping the lore. Especially with a new person. New person. And they're Agreed. Like, I think the name is a cool thing. And we play with someone's like, can I see that art? And they just like yeah. stared at the artwork and, and stuff. And we make yeah. sure like we call things the correct things. We don't actually call them the toadstools when it's with a new person. You know, it's the Dahan and they keep being the weird things. You're like, it's the Dahan. My biggest but. defense of why I prefer the extensive explanation method, this is my biggest pet peeve of the learn as you go approach. A, in PvP environments, the person is not engaging in strategies they actually could have but didn't know it but b it's unfair to the teacher to reteach something again and again mm -hmm. and again because what's this thing again what's this thing you do it like that i said it like four times okay well, i'm sorry what was this thing it's like this and it requires patience on your end yep. that's going to be a struggle for the teacher but the mentality where at least you listen sure it may have taken a bit longer i only had to say it once not 10 times like, yeah. because once you know the why the what is so much easier to remember but that is a my opinion and b not how everyone learns so that's just my stance on it that's all so like i said i like to do the former for me that's how it was approached and that's how i loved it mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. i'm not saying that the way i came to love the game is not nearly the the way that you have to learn the game and how you have to figure out how it works. What is it? If you want to go deeper, go for it. You know, but there's whole pages in the book that's all about the history of adversary. It's about what happened to the, oh, the, the island. Really cool. The reckoning. What is the reckoning? What's the second reckoning? I don't know what that's talking about. It's in the book. It's in the rule book. Yeah. It's cool. Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, another thing that's really unique that this game has is that fear and terror are good things. That is something I don't think a new player is going to immediately think of. When you hear fear, when you hear terror, that's a bad thing because in real life, that's scary. Yeah. But that's a good thing. Fear is what gets you more cards. Terror is a win condition that actually makes you win the game. You are the ones terrifying the bad guys. You get to be the scary big monster. That's really cool. Fear and terror, those are good things. You want that. That's something that, huh, that's pretty cool. The whole game kind of puts everything on its head. Right, mm-hmm. but normally that's not something that is a good thing. But now it is. Then you have fast and slow powers. Wait, how does that work that again? That always takes a while for people to really, really... What is that? That is why to, yeah. That is why I don't like people playing lightning. Yeah. Because it kind of negates mm. the slow power. Well, it's, I think it's really yeah. good to help learn what the formula is and then play someone who tweaks that formula. As opposed to, this guy tweaks the formula, and now you're used to it, and now you think that everyone can act like Lightning because he's the guy that cheated that thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's why Lightning can be harder for a new person. For me, Lightning was my first guy I played as, and I had it just fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm also someone who plays board games like every other weekend, so to me it wasn't easier. And you read the rule book where if you're being explained to you, you don't have the rule book in front of you, but that is something you like to do. I love reading the rule book myself. (laughs) I love it. I learn, I, people so much talk better to me with in one ear, out visual the other. Learner. I'm a visual learner. You give me yep. Google and I will teach myself anything. So I like hearing, like, here's the general idea, but then, like, here's the rule book. Maybe we should do that more in teaching, have the rule Very book. Very accessible. Yeah, just available for people yeah. to see. Just it does cycle it. back to, there's a lot in the rule book, so it can be yep. very overwhelming. That's true. Right? As yep. a first some person, time to read it. like, if we had just tried to sit down and teach ourselves Spirit Island, I don't think we would have been able to. We really needed yep. Ryan to, like, lay it out for us. But, but it's but... really interesting that this is isn't a game where John's turn, my turn, your turn, invaders, John's turn, my turn. It's not clockwise. We're all acting at the same time. Simultaneous turns. Every single person that I talked to when I was teaching this game that learned that it was simultaneous turns went, oh, ooh. What is one thing that, that was really you cool. the most, Laura? Other people's turns. <laughs> Waiting. But what's, you hate waiting. I but hate waiting. It's always just enough time for me to get involved in Candy Crush or whatever. But what's really interesting is you go first, then the bad guys, then you again. You bookend the bad guys. And that's something that most games don't do. It's like my turn, his turn, my turn, mm-hmm. your turn. There's his such turn. a strategy there. Mm-hmm. Right. And the way that you can layer your actions, I'll do my thing, then so-and-so does theirs, then John will do his thing later. We all three of us have a fast power. Which one goes first? Let's talk about it. See which one. Okay, I can do this. Does this conflict anything? Nope. What about this? Here, let me do this one first because of this reason. Oh, okay. That thing happens. That's my I favorite do it. part of the game is the, the um, table talk. The growth yeah. phase discussion. Yep. So the so, teamwork good. that this game beckons is so awesome you really feel as if you're solving a problem together and that's why i'm actually starting to like the event deck more yeah because that also again re-triggers discussion where usually sometimes you have a choice between yeah. like a bad or a worse option get out of my house yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Leave>. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool where, I mean, we talked about it in Second Wave when we were playing that campaign with you, Ryan. We would yeah. discuss a lot about these events. We'd mm-hmm. all talk about, like, yep. how much blight, how many towns, how oh, much yeah. present. It's like a five-minute conversation of, okay, let's see what option one does, all of its ramifications. Let's see what option two does, all of its ramifications. Now let's see which one we like best, which one we don't like. He says five-minute discussion. He means 40-minute, and I think we ought to have a timer sometimes. <laughs> what? Oh, come on. We want a chess timer. Well, but remember there was that one time where I was getting super bored 
because we were playing it during it Corona. Was and it was the like Dahans, It was the and Farmer's Zeke like, oh Dahan Parade car. Oh my gosh, let's car. just do the one thing. But and then we realized was, that that one thing that I was like, let's just do it, I'm so bored, would have been really bad. And the other option was the better one. And Ryan You butchered my beast. You were ocean. <laughs> no, You're like, no, it wasn't fine. that one. We were just trying to decide. <laughs> and we ended up doing the right thing. A lot of the longer playtimes we've had were because of over telecommunication over Zoom. Yep. So hey, that was fun. We that was fun. Talked, that was those good. were some like seven hour long games. discussions. Seven hour games. But yeah, the fast versus slow powers, that's something I don't think will come supernaturally to a new player. Mm-mm. Also, card restriction and legalities. That's something that's interesting because it's not only it's fast and slow, it's also where it's from, where it's going, what's the range. Does it need a sacred site to cast? What yes type or of no. terrain? Does yeah. it need to be a jungle? Does it need to be an inland land? What about the coast? There are a slew of things where people are like, oh, I can do this. And I see I'm like, ah, I can't go. And then some of the like and versus or. And well, so no, you, you can't simply, do both of those things. You got to pick. Mm-hmm. And so the way I describe all of these things is your card is speaking to you in a certain language that's telling you when it can be used. And I'm going to explain these three boxes in the middle that simply tell you the three things you need to know. First, how fast is it? Slow or fast? It's going to be one or the two. There will never be anything that's besides those two. It's either fast or it's slow. Then the middle box shows you the range, and you describe the range. You describe that zero means in a land that you were in, and if there's a number, that means it's up to that number. So it can be any number that is less than that number or that number. So if it says two, then that means it's zero, one, and two. If you see this symbol, this means sacred site, John. This means that you need to have at least two presents there. I was so powerful. Sometimes there may be a little graphic of a certain kind of land. It needs to come from this land. The range box is always telling you where it's coming from. The last one is always showing you where it's going to. So whether- Do you fear of like overwhelming someone though? Because like at this point, this is like so much to retain. Now, I pre-filter who I play this game with. Mm-hmm. And I only play with people who I think can handle it. So if I've deemed them worthy of it, I we, think they're good. We did play this with one couple, and the husband left to just, like, go be with the baby and just gave up on the game. He's like, I'm just going to put the baby to sleep and never return. Oh, dear. <laughs> or my poor mom hung on and was playing with us because she wanted to, you know, She's, well, she has a heart of gold. And it was so awesome, yeah. but mom loves Euchre, but... This was Euchre uh, Spirit Island. It was difficult. <laughs> My dad's to... over there blowing things up, and mom's like, Which card do I play again? I can see your dad now. It was really okay, sweet. Okay, so I'm going to go and do this here. Oh, and... he's getting so into it. Dude, he was really good as lightning. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, anyway, I just think that the restrictions on legalities can be a hiccup to some players. But when you're playing a board game with your friends, you know your friends, and you can generally know what they can handle. So if you're playing Spirit Island with a group of specific individuals, you probably know that this is either A, going to be a problem or not going to be a problem. So Mm -hmm. use your judgment. Use your judgment. I thought you guys were totally capable of doing this. If you can take Scythe without a hitch. Oh, there was a hitch. Multiple, maybe a few hitches. (laughs) If you can do that, you can probably do just fine. And I think some of that goes back to also... Do they really love the lore, or are they more interested in the mechanics? Sure. Yep. So some of that just. Yep. You know, That's a good point. Some people. If it's a bunny, do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bird, but you know. <laughs> oh, whatever. 
Bird and turtle. So another thing that a lot of people I've seen grasp a little bit more difficult than other things were the fact that bad guys only go to certain places at certain times. This means that there can be a ton of bad guys on the board and yet you are still fine. Why? Because they're only going to wetlands. Where are all the bad guys? Our wetlands are fine. We're pretty much good. Sure, we can work ahead on other things. But when a new player comes to the board, bad guy means bad. Okay, here's bad guy. I need to get bad guy. There's a lot of bad guys. Oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. I think they're attacking every And they land. get, they get mm-hmm. stressed. They get whelmed. And you have to remind them, it's only this land that we have to worry about. Oh. And that makes it so much more manageable because they think they're getting overrun. They think it's like whack-a-mole. Offense, defense, you don't have to teach them anything. They know the value of defense. They know the value of offense. But what about fear? What about control? What about moving people? The value of fear and control isn't going to be super apparent because, dude, you moved a guy away from there. Yeah, but he's still on the board. I don't want him moved. I want him dead. That's what Sam struggled with the most. Right. Mm -hmm. A new person is going to see a guy moved. He's like, okay, I don't want him moved. I want him dead. You know, because we want to scare these guys off our island, right? They need to die. And you're like, I know, but there are some people that can't kill anyone, and they can literally just shuffle people aboard the entire time and win. What? Are you ready for a curveball? Yeah. Here's how I like to teach. I start with the invader deck conveyor belt. And so this is what's happening on the island. That's actually not a bad method. And uh, like they're going to explore. Then they're going to build and they're going to ravage. People are used to this from settlers or scythe where you're almost like a worker placement type thing. Sending people out to gain resources. That's where I try and do the what, why, how. That's that's the what for me because I do what lore then what game mechanic. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's what, so why, how. start a little bit more with the game mechanic of, of the bad guys. I like showing yep. the invader deck we... going down the line. Yep. And then I'm like, here's how we stop it. Yep. And that's, mm-hmm. for me, I would put that under the designation, under the grouping of basic turn order. So once I've explained to you where we are, what we are, who we are, yeah. how does the turn work? Well, we're going to grow up. Then we're going to go and do our fasts. Then the bad guys are going to go, explain what that looks like. Then we're going to go again. Turn is over. Now that I have that, I get into specifics. We grow up. What does that look like? Well, let's examine. Okay, bad guys do their thing. What does that look like? Let's examine. And at that point, you would do the the hallway, the legendary encounters hallway of cards coming down the line. I missed that game. It's a good one. That's actually the second time we've talked about it now. I think we should play it again. It's good. It's good. So other helpful things to make the game better or more understandable. The Steam version really does help. Sure, you might not have someone speaking to you, telling you why a thing is happening. But it'll stop you from doing it wrong. But what's going to happen is there will be an effect that happens, and it's going to make you look it up. Okay, I know that this happens. I can see it. It's been doing this for two turns now, but why? Oh, my card said this happened. There you go. It's a teacher that can do no wrong. Can't make mistakes because it's literally a computer program. Yep. You know what I mean? Unless there's like a glitch. And it has that lovely undo button. Yes. Yes. Would you, Laura, you changed somehow. Because I, the way I have it set up, if it's a randomized event, like you're gaining a power card or see a, a fear card, I can't undo past that. But you said there's another option? Yeah. It's the cheating option. So they give you a little asterisk. Uh. Your, um, 
by your, your difficulty. Your difficulty. But I see Steam not so much as me sitting down and like legitimately playing a game, but it was a great way for me to test out new spirits that maybe I was a little afraid of. Because mm. then you could like kind of play the whole fast turn and then go, okay, well, wait, I didn't like that. Let's undo all the way back to picking yeah. my power cards and try playing different right, power cards. Right, because a very a different understanding of something that happened would have made you change what right. you did even back then. Which, Eric, if you're listening, you guys need to include undo for each separate spirit during the growth phase. Because once oh, I've the... picked all the cards for one character, I don't want to undo all of those to undo somebody else. <laughs> it's stupid. That's true. You've also liked to dabble with scenarios in the Steam oh, version. Yes. Hey, they just added England as an adversary. Ooh, Did you see that in, no, in this past weekend's update? But England's tough. Oof. Oof. We but like you, them. Because we often don't play with scenarios as much. But like called the Han Ways. I love that one. That was really cool. Guard the Isle's Heart. Mm-hmm. Well, call it Dabble the Han Ways is a power card. But... Well... <laughs> I don't remember things, uh, Dahan, guys. Dahan Insurrection. Dahan that was it. I knew Dahan it had something to do with the Toadstool people. Laura never makes mistakes. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> That's a good husband. Obvious. Anyway. So, but yeah, playing the Steam version, I think, definitely helps you get a better understanding. And what I have here, the last final thing on how to make the game better, feel better, teach the game, make it more understandable, is arguably the most important thing. And for me, it is in all caps. Throughout the game, offer helpful input, but do not backseat drive or alpha game for this one. You need to make the player make his own decisions and get the satisfaction for making a plan and executing it. Let them discover and love the game if they want to. You can never force someone to do something. You can't push a rope. Let them pull it instead and let them come to the realization that this game is awesome. This is why Pandemic has kind of been ruined for me because I, really? I had one bad experience of it went to is... a tabletop restaurant, we played Pandemic, and I didn't do anything. Yeah. Because the experienced player, I, I wanted to do something. He's like, that that's dumb. We're going to lose if you do that. Let's do this. Yeah. I would like to point out I was not there. Laura was not there. It was actually before we were dating. Pandemic's been out for a while. But I did plan yeah. on my birthday on quarterback to that one. So. <laughs> we haven't played for Ben Island in a long but time. No, like, we don't play that anymore even on the basic <laughs> sense to. you fell in love with the game because you had the opportunity to play and learn from yourself i Why made you mistakes with my sacred sites but you were helpful about which it. is more important your need to get a successful game right now or have another person discover the game and fall in love with it in the same way that you did to me in this specific instance the latter is infinitely more important than the former that's why i let some rules slide like being able to heal a blighted island on someone's first game because it's funner if they do that than me going, technically, you can't do that. And I just go and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, ruins the game. So yeah. that's, for me, that's why I have it in all caps. Just that really robs the person of enjoyment a lot of the time. And that's the fun of playing games anyways, to have fun. And when you take that out, that's like the biggest loss. I think that's why when you played with us for the first time, you made sure it was like an easy board game. Yep. We were like, oh, we won. Because yeah. you wanted us to have that winning experience. We'd yeah. come back and play No again. blight card. We didn't have the... Uh, oh, I completely forgot. One of the house rules we like to have is we like to have a unedited invader deck. Meaning we don't shuffle out a card from stage one, two, or three. But we have all three of them in there. And it's not because the game is technically easier. That's why we like it. We like it because the game lasts longer. Mm. And that way it makes it easier for someone, a new person, 
to learn the system and formula rhythm of the game. Though on our three-player games, that was with a normal deck that I set up. Yep. Just well, that's know. fine. Well, it's also fun because you get to be big and powerful, and then there's more time to do things I with feel, yeah, big and powerful. It feels more but during rewarding. our second wave, we played with a full deck a campaign, I think. Yeah, well, we're, it was the first time we were playing against England, and they're really tough. Yeah. And we had events, so we're like, it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> was that anniversary day? But you know no. what? Oh. We're not here to start a discussion on which one of us, whether us around this table or you guys out there in the Spirit Island community, plays a game to its best and who is the best player. The point is having a fun and enjoyable experience, and this is what gets us that experience. So whatever rules you want to use, go for it. This is what we used. This is what we use often, and it's fun, and I love the game. Don't at me. <laughs> so <laughs> while we're talking about better experiences and like struggles of new players, yeah. I remember really not comprehending Ravaging. And I thought, you know, they fight at the same time. For oh, some the reason, timing. Yeah. the timing was very weird to me where I needed to defend for them and then they counterattack. Yep. Mm. I thought like, oh, we have two Dahan here doing four damage against the city. They're going to wipe it out. No blight, nothing. We're fine. Yep. That really took time for this me is, as a new player to This comprehend. is another reason why, in my opinion, the why helps the what. Because the invaders are more efficient on their military tactics and they have better technology. Because of their tactics, they attack first. Because of their technology, damage is done to both the land and the Dahan. Since the Dahan are outgunned and outmanned in tactics, that's why they always go second. <laughs> anyway, that's one of the things that I think is helpful. But it can be hard sometimes because attacking is... You think they're fine at the same time. Yeah. At least I did. It's right. the idea of like the Dahan don't want to attack, but they're going to fight back. Right, right. If they but are... But if they get shot before they right. If they're fight a cost, back, they're If bent. they're a cost, they will retaliate. Right. You know, as normal humans do. I think that's just yeah, a different takes... mindset of thinking of yeah. like, okay, they don't fight at the same time. They counterattack and we need yep. to defend for them as their spirits yep. of the island. Yep. I don't want to repeat myself, but you understand it. That's mm -hmm. why I think the why really helps the what. Because then if they don't remember the what, they can remember the why. What was it? That's what, okay, I do remember. You did tell me that. You did tell me that. That's right. It makes sense. Okay, cool. And I'm they get I'm still saying if there's too much why, they go dead behind the eyes. <laughs> well, you're not everyone, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and make sure everyone reads their player synopsis on the card. Yes, I do think that's helpful because that. it straight up tells you, hey, this guy sucks at offense. That's fine. If you're not killing people, that new player can feel okay. Why? Because he picked a guy that's low on offense. He saw the bar that said yep. low offense, so he's okay with not doing a whole lot of damage because it did say high defense, and he did prevent something, so he feels cool. There's that identity acceptance there with the lore, with the character that they played as. I remember the first mm -hmm. game I played with Shadows. I think I might have discussed this, but I heard someone reading their lightning card. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Lightning's fast. Yeah. Just like that little bit of just yep. like knowledge helped me play. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. so one thing that's really fun that I'm super curious about is... What do you guys do to build the atmosphere Ooh. with this game, to make it more enjoyable? I'm not talking about understanding of rules. Just generally speaking, what do you like to do? We, we do like to make a night of it. We have a house rule where you have to dress like the Dahan, and we all sit around in loincloths. <laughs> People can't wait to play with us. It's very fun. Check our Instagram for photos. <laughs> no! <laughs> lies. Lies. More lies. Deceit. So you guys went really ham with this. You guys actually made your own tokens, made your own presents and reminder tokens. And that's really cool. We got to give credit. Uh, we should have looked up the person. Oh, but uh, I think it was on either Reddit or BGG. Yeah. I think it was actually Reddit where some person posted all their custom tokens. So it, yeah. it wasn't our original idea. 
And I was like showing Laura, you know, late nights in bed reading. Yeah. I was like, hey, isn't this really awesome? This, yeah, like, this guy. We can feature your tokens that you made on our Facebook oh, and on our Instagram cool. so people can see what you've done. And we'll find the guy and we'll put a link to our sure. original yeah. inspiration. But I remember yeah. showing him, like, I wish I could do this because I didn't know what Shrinky Dinks was. Laura, I didn't know. I had if... never heard of that product until you guys had brought it up. Yeah, Shrinky Dinks are like a thin plastic that's like see through and you draw on it with some sort of like alcohol-based marker. If you like lightly sand it, you can also use a colored pencil, but it doesn't come out clear. You draw on it, you cut it out, and it can be kind of hard to cut because it's plastic. Mm. Then you put it in the oven, and it shrinks down to like one third of its size and gets a little bit thicker. So you're, it's no longer like cuttable. It's very durable little things. Have you ever seen those foam figures that start off very small, and when you put them in water, they expand? It's, it's the, like the exact opposite. It's the exact yes. opposite of that. And be like Laura said, because they get more dense, they're more durable, not like a plastic sheet of paper. Right. And so we can use them as tokens then. So what these guys did is instead of just having wooden circular tokens for presents, they have these clear acrylic looking actual designed pictures that it's like this little plastic piece like for lightning i have a lightning bolt lightning is a lightning bolt for all the plant dudes it's various plants leaves for branches. things it's like actual animals yeah like there's like a jaguar and stuff and it's really cool it really makes the game feel different and more thematic or at least to them Mm-hmm. So for Finder has a scene, I thought this was cool because I was really into the video game Portal in Portal yes, Two. So yes. I made those like orange and blue portals. Half of his presence was blue portals. Yeah. The other half was orange portals. Yeah. So it, it makes sense of me just like pushing yep. cities and towns. So I'm curious portals. what you guys have done. What do you do to build atmosphere for thematic immersion with this game? I'm really eager to hear what you have. That's one thing that these guys did. We also like to play soundtracks. I was about to say that's what we started doing recently. Is so doing, um, and it's pretty simple. There's actually on Spotify, if you go and just type in Spirit Island Playlist, there are people that actually have made Spirit Island Playlists. Whether those are tracks from Horizon Zero Dawn or some other things, I would highly recommend a track called The Egg Travels from Disney's Dinosaur. Works really well for this game if you want to get some hype to it because that track has a really good crescendo and it's very jungly themed. Also, any music from the Wombam Island DLC from Borderlands 2. That is W-A-M-B-A-M. Wombam looks like Wham Bam. But it's kind of cool. A lot now, of you soundtracks know. work. We found too. Yeah. A lot of Avatar from the James Cameron one. Yep. Uh, no, Lord perfect. of the Rings we've done. A little um, bit. So yep. you, I mean, I'm not a host here, but if you do put together a playlist <laughs> on Spotify, mm-hmm. link it in the comments because we're always looking yeah, for new that's true. ones yeah. that we haven't point, played before. So, and one time we even had like, what, we had Pad Thai. And we yeah, had, I tried to do a Pacific Island themed yeah. dinner as well. Had coconut mm-hmm. like glasses and whatnot. Now, this is definitely unnecessary, but it's something that we like to do. It's fun. It just gets you into the mood for it. It's fun. I'm just curious if you guys do anything similar like Sometimes that Sometimes well. it's hard to get four people in a room to play a board game. So it when is. we're able to find the schedules for four adults to do it, yep. we like to make a night of it and, mm-hmm. yeah, build the lore and the atmosphere. It, mm-hmm. it makes for a better game, I think. I think so, too. So... Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this one. We thank you so much for listening. Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, I hope baby. you enjoyed. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed. You can see what us boys are doing in the garage here. You know, like we're working our own little thing. But I'm happy to have you back and anytime you want to come in. Thank you so, guys so much for letting me come on and be a little contrarian at yeah. you. Yeah, and you can even listen back to him and be like, oh, yeah, wow, that was me. We did that. Wow, that was so long ago. Why does my voice sound so weird? I know. Like 90% of every person that's ever been on a camera or a microphone when they hear themselves is like, do I really sound like that? Yep. Yes, you do. <laughs> anyway, guys, next time we are going to get into 
analysis. Ooh. What are we an- analyzing? We are getting into arguably our biggest. Yeah, no, it's not arguably. It is the biggest. The analysis of each spirit in the game. For now, we're going to keep it to the base 12. We are going to go and look at the spirit's theme, their role, their complexity, their passives, their special rules, their innates, their growth options, their tracks, their builds, various flexibilities, and which one we think is the best. After our analysis, we're going to divulge our tier list. Ooh. And I cannot wait to get into that. Spoilers, they're very different. They are very different, but that's what you get to look forward to. Until next time, I've been Ryan. And I'm John. And I'm Laura. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kindred Spirit Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. Feel free to visit us on our Instagram and Facebook page. You can find me on our Facebook page at The Kindred Spirit Podcast. To get a hold of John, check out our Instagram page at the KSP123. We look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in future episodes.